here we are now with another series for the Andrew Lake podcast. My name is Dosta and I will be your host here on the Andrew Lake podcast. Of course, I am also known as Andrew, creator of the Andrew Lake podcast. This brand new series, which begins today, is titled Finding Other Worlds. And this series is a comprehensive commentary on The Chronicles of Narnia by Clive Staples Lewis. I'm really excited about this. This is so amazing. I'm so happy to be doing this. (laughs) And there's so much to get out of this. There's so much juice that we can find in this beautiful, magical chronicles, the Chronicles of Narnia. So it's, as always, hard to know where to begin. It's hard to know what to start with because there's so much, because there's so many things for us to crack open. And I guess generally a good place to start is with our central thesis. And the central thesis for this series is, as the name suggests, as the title suggests, that Other worlds exist. And this is something that runs deep into the human narrative. It runs all the way back to the very conception of humanity itself. And of course, throughout our history, and even before history... This idea of an other world has manifested itself in so many ways, so many ways, in so many narratives, in so many cultures, in so many philosophies, in so many religions, in so many personal experiences, in so many individuals that we might call cultural icons or public intellectuals or seers or people of these sorts of standing within the human story, within the human narrative, within human history. So it's deep stuff. It's powerful stuff. And, of course, Narnia, well, it's a kid's book, right? These are written for children, yeah? But don't let that underestimate their depth. And if you've listened to me before, you know that really, actually, the depth is in the children's books. The depth, the power, the real core of narratives are found in children's stories. So that's a little bit about other worlds. And the title, Finding Other Worlds, is really exploring 
this drama. It's exploring this realization of the other world or other worlds. And it's quite hard to know, well, how many different ways can we start to look at that? Because the drama of finding other worlds is really the drama of coming into existence. It's realizing what this world is. It's realizing what reality is. And one of the ways I like to think about this is to think of it like there are different degrees. Because we can say, okay, there are other worlds. We can say if you go to another country, well, in a way you're in another world. And what exactly is an other world? What are the parameters of a world? How can you say that there are these things that you have to tick off a list as qualities or characteristics to say, yes, that is a world. And then how do we compare that list to other things to say, well, this is how we differentiate two different worlds. And that's sort of a that's sort of a theory of what worlds are kind of answer to this question. What are other worlds and what does it mean to find other worlds? But to put it another way, or to say about what I was about to get at with illustrating how I like to think about this, there are degrees. So you can say, I go to another country from the country that I'm familiar with, and I've gone to another world. And by so many ways, it is another world. The food is different. The language is different. The customs are different. The architecture is different. The peoples are different. They look different. They behave different. The economy is different. All sorts of things. And that list goes on, right? And in every way, that's a different world. And you can say, well, are all countries as different as the next? And the answer is no. Some countries are more different. And if you can get your head around that, then you can start to see, well, so there are degrees, right? There are degrees to how different a world is, how far out a world is. If you really go to a far out country, you go to the other side of the world, this would be something like going from a Western country to an Arab country, right? Now, if you go from America to Canada, well, that, there are diff- those are different countries, but they're both Western countries. But if you go from America to somewhere in the Middle East, well, that's a different stretch, right? That's a more of a drastic change in worlds. Now, this image, this idea of going to another country is something we're going to explore in more detail. That's something we're going to look at and unpack throughout this series. So keep this image in your mind. This is going to be one of our things in our toolkit is this idea of being in a country and then going to a different country and having that as a world shift, having that as a experience of finding another world. 
Now, to tie this into the other end of degrees, what we can do is realize that actually you don't need to go anywhere to encounter another world. Another world is always a fraction away from you, a hair away from you. And this is in such a microscopic way, the extreme opposite of going to the other side of the world, of going to a different country. So let me give you an example. Say you're in a room and and it's someone else, there's someone else in the room and you say hello to this person and you say, how is your day or how is your week? Well, this person's going to tell you something. They're going to answer this question, how was your week? Now that answer, those words that come out of that person's mouth, which is elicited from you by this question, how was your week? How are you going? Is an encounter with another world. Because you now have new information. You now have something which has changed your experience of your world. Now, there's not a lot of drama in that. There's not a lot of shifting that needs to happen. There's not a lot of real gigantic contrast as compared to going from America to somewhere in the Middle East, right? But that's our spectrum. That's our kind of scale of what it means to find other worlds, to encounter another world. And we're going to brush out that scale. We're going to look at that in all different degrees. Because, of course, it can happen that your whole world changes by someone just telling you a few words, right? You can think of examples. You can think of all sorts of examples. I don't need to give you any examples for this. Someone sits you down, the doctor sits you down and says you've got a terminal disease or a family member has a terminal disease, right? Now, in that situation, you've been sitting in the hospital or the doctor's wherever doctors do their thing, doctor's house, well, not his house. I don't, I don't know the word for that. What is the word for where a doctor does his doctory things? Practice? You go to the doctors. <laughs> you go to the doctors. Yeah, oh, I have no idea what a place is called where doctors are. Anyway, so you're in the place where the doctors are doing their things and that's totally familiar to you, right? There's nothing shocking or unfamiliar about it. And your whole world is quite stable. And then he delivers the words. He delivers the news. He delivers the information, which reaches you in just a second. And in just a few words. And yet your whole life changes. Everything about you has to shift. And that is an encounter with an other world. 
And these two things are related. These things are put together from multiple parts of the spectrum, which means that what we're really looking at is both of these situations, both of these extremes at once, because say you're an American, you then go to your Arab country, you go to this other country, and you're in this other world, you have your experiences, what's going to happen is you're going to come back to America, and then you're going to be talking about your experiences. And you're going to be actually saying certain things in small amounts of words and bringing parts of that world back to you, back to your original world. So don't worry too much if that idea is not entirely clear to you, but because what we're going to do is really flesh out those two differences, which is just simple words, a simple moment, and that being an encounter with another world and actually having to go to the other side of the planet to actually go on a long journey to have something really dramatic happen in order to encounter another world. And ultimately, foundationally, and really the most profound insight in that is that you have entire worlds right next to each other when you have two people who are in the same room. There is an entire shift in reality, in the very fabric of reality, when two people meet. So that's something that is quite deep. It's quite profound. So we'll have to unpack that through this narrative. And you see this in Narnia. You see this in Narnia again and again. So there's so much more, really. So to to really move on a little bit and just crack a bit on this idea of other worlds. An important point to understand is that in the drama of two worlds clashing is where you find the differences between two worlds. And this whole thing of far away and nearby is something that also collapses depending on where the world is and the nature of the world. Furthermore, there are multiple ways to get to other worlds. It's not just a matter of talking, right? You don't encounter world. You don't enc- you don't encounter the world by having conversations with people, by people telling you about it. Not at all. And that's actually part of our sort of theory of knowledge or theory of reality, our epistemology of reality, which is how do you know what reality is? How do you know you're in the world? How do you know you are actually experiencing the world? And you can see this in, well, the people that go overseas and go to the other country. They go to the other side of the world, but they don't really go there. They don't really really immerse themselves. They don't really find themselves 
in that world. It is possible to go to another country and just stay on the touristy track. You don't learn the language. You just eat the mainstream food. You don't meet the locals. You don't do any of the challenging things. You don't try and live like the locals. And you just stay on sort of the the planned track. And, you know, there's these there's these touristy sort of packages that you can get these days where they organize the tour for you. And you might go on like a safari, right? The African safari is a classic example of this. You go out and they'll take you and you get to see the animals. And everything's prepared for you and you just follow along. And in a sense, well, you wouldn't say that you're not experiencing any of the country, right? And it's not to say that you don't understand anything of that world if you take that path. But the question remains, the question is really the the heart of the issue, which is, what does it mean to experience a world? What does it mean to go to Africa and experience it? How How has it made an impression on you? How has it changed you? How has it changed your perspective of the world? How has it changed your feelings? How has it changed your thoughts, your beliefs, your relationships? How has it changed what you want to do with your life, where you're going? And these sorts of questions are getting to the heart of the issue, which is how does the world affect you? And fundamentally, the question is, well, how did your world change, right? How did the world that you came from become different when you came back from Africa? What shifted in that reality? How dramatic was that change? And that's where we really get at the core of it. That's where we really start to see what it means to find another world, which is when you come back. So it's not enough just to find another world. You actually then have to come back and see what's changed. And this theme comes up again and again and again in Narnia. It happens in basically every Narnia book, which is that someone goes to Narnia and they have all these experiences. It makes this huge life-altering impression on them. And then they come back. And we'll be discussing, well, what happens when that happens? As we make our way through this. Now, to say a little bit more broadly about what we could mean by other worlds. Now, where to begin? This is the this is the hour of beginnings. <laughs> so, if you if you allow me to make these multiple beginnings, <laughs> uh, where to begin? Well, the question is, do you, do you believe other worlds exist? Where do you draw the line? That's a good question to start with. How much of a stretch is it for you to believe that other worlds exist? And just by asking that, there's not really much in that question. 
That's not really the work. That's not where the rubber hits the road. Where the rubber hits the road is when we actually ask, does this world exist? And I give you an example. Well, does Santa's workshop exist? Does the Easter Bunny's workshop exist? Does Jesus in heaven exist? Does Muhammad in heaven exist? And so on, right? And as we make our way through those examples, it might be like, well, no, I don't really believe in that. Or I do really believe in that. And our discussion has to be, well, what exactly do you mean by the Easter Bunny's workshop? Our discussion has to include, well, do you really know what I mean by the Easter Bunny's workshop? Now, when I say the Easter Bunny's workshop, maybe what's coming to mind for you is not what's coming to mind for me. And therefore, I need to explain exactly what I mean by the Easter Bunny's workshop. And I have to say, well, this is how I know it exists. And this is what I mean by it exists. Because we're also contending with the world that we're in now. We're also contending with the perspectives that you and I hold. So it's really worlds within worlds within worlds. And each time there's a clash, it rings out into all the different parameters and complexities of those worlds. I can ask you, do you dream at night? Do you remember your dreams? I'm sure, come on, at least at some point in people's lives, in people in your life, you've remembered your dreams, right? This is just part of this is part of life. This is something that's generally accepted now as something that happens. So, on that we can agree. But then we can say, well, is that another world? Is that something that you would count as another world? I mean, your behaviors are different. The fabric of chronologically is chronologic chronology chronology is different. There are different characteristics within you and the people around you when you're in your dreams. The laws of physics are different. The sensations are different. It's a whole different world. And you might say, well, okay, so we say that there's the dream world and then there's this world. And this is where we get into some fundamental things, which is that we say that there's the real world and the other world. And this comes up also in religion, in the religious traditions of the world, which is that we have this world and the afterlife. We have the heavens. And in some traditions, there is the, the pre-life. There is the uh, past lives. So it's not after your death, but it's actually before your birth that the other world is. And some religions have this as a kind of ascending thing, which you rise to, which you are raised to. And others have this as a descending duality. 
which you fall down to. And that's not quite the same as heaven and hell. When we have heaven and hell, well, that can be either an ascending or a descending. And that's a complex that we'll get into as this series unfolds. So, for another example, how about drugs? Have you ever done drugs? Because that's another example of another world, right? Now, if you induce the right chemical in the right way, you can be catapulted into a place where every single parameter under the laws of reality are behaving in a completely different way on every scale, in every way. The laws of physics, the laws of time, the laws of space, the parameters of color, the parameters of shape, your behaviors, your sense of self, your sense of narrative, the mind, the body, emotions, feelings, sensations, all of it completely changed. And it's not that it's disappeared, it's that it's changed, right? So this has to count also as another world. This has to count as something which you have to contend with. And if we do enough of these, if we go through enough of these different worlds, and the list goes on, right? There are so many. I mean, it's not just dreams or religion or drugs. That list goes on and on. This idea of other worlds, right, is, is, is well, as we'll see as we go through Narnia, is quite long. But the point that you arrive at and the point that we will get to is that, well, what am I left to stand on? What is there foundationally? And you reach that point when all these other worlds are actually starting to become more real than what we could call, in quotes, this world or the real world, right? Just think of the person who's had too many psychedelic drugs or they've had a lot of psychedelic drugs and they've got this narrative which is that, oh, psychedelics reveal the higher world, They reveal the spiritual world, and that's the real world. And this world, this quote-unquote empirical, scientific, hard sciences world, is illusory, right? So that's someone who's gone out into the other end of the spectrum. And what we're looking for and what we're getting at is a hint of that, but not quite. Because what that person who's had too many psychedelics doesn't realize is that there's a shift that occurs between those two worlds. And that relationship is where you start to sense your whole fabric of reality opening up. So to just ground that again, to actually say again what I'm getting at, It's like you find other worlds and you see that there are 
many of them, and you find that they are very real. And when this happens in an intense way, at a rapid pace, in a powerful way, you find that the original world loses its hold. It loses its, I want to say meaning, but it's not meaning. It seems, it seems like it's not the real world anymore. And really what that is, is the shifting of your understanding of reality. And that's the, that's the key to finding other worlds. That's the point of finding other worlds. Now, normally, if you don't go out to find other worlds, your sense of reality stays quite normal. It quite, stays quite stable. It stays like, well, okay, so I've got this. Everything's in its place. Everything's understandable. Things make sense. I can make sense of things. And that's, that's reality, right? Re- reality is reality. What's the big deal? What's so interesting? What's so hard to understand about that, right? What you see is what you believe. Reality is right before your eyes, right? But when you do this journey, you do this seeking, or you find these other worlds, then that's all up for grabs. That's all out the window, And of course, we can say, well, why is it that you would be finding other worlds? How is it that you get this? Why would you want this? And the simple answer is to enrich your experience of life. To deepen your relationship with reality on the most fundamental levels. And it's actually quite rare that other worlds will come to you. It actually takes a conscious effort in so many ways to go out and find another world. It takes a certain kind of character. It takes a certain kind of edge. I might even say, if I dare, it takes a certain type of personality. Many people, the majority of people, are actually set on maintaining their reality. They're actually hoping to keep the other worlds out. And this does come up in Narnia. This is seen in Narnia in so many ways. And how you get to Narnia is one of the things that we'll discover in this series. Now, does Narnia exist? Now, with all that said, consider this question, right? Does Narnia exist? And I don't mean the book. I don't mean the idea of it. I mean the actual place. Narnia. And I'm here to tell you that It does. It does exist. So that's yet another thing that we can look forward to as we unfold 
the narrative of Narnia. Now, to say a little bit about format. So, C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis, I'll say a little bit about him. He was born in November 1898 and died in November 1963. So, he was 64 years old. He was British and he held academic positions in English literature at both Oxford University and Cambridge University. And by many accounts, his students adored him. He had many students who simply loved hearing him speak, loved reading his books, loved his teachers, his teachings rather. And he's now most famous for his children's books, which is Narnia. And there might even be a, a few others. Well, he's also got the screw tape letters, and that's not exactly a children's book, but that's non-fiction and one of his most famous things, most famous pieces of writing. And let's let's let me just explain my approach to this commentary so that it's clear. We're dealing with Narnia the books. We're dealing with just the books, and we're not going to bring in C.S. Lewis much, the man. Now, he was also a Christian apologist, and that will be something that maybe comes up a little bit through this series, but it's not going to be central. We're not going to be looking at Narnia with a Christian perspective, primarily. We might a little bit here and there, but more of the case, more of the time, we're actually going to be looking at it from multiple perspectives. And I'll get into some of what of those what some of those will be in a moment. But C.S. Lewis always called himself a lay theologian. And this is quite funny, I think, because it's almost like a, well, I see it as a kind of false modesty in a way, because he was a theologian, and I don't know what it takes to really be a non-lay theologian, and I think if you've got academic positions in English literature, then you can qualify quite easily, because commentary or speaking on something is really well, it's a bit of a brain fry, isn't it? I mean, basically, he's a smart guy. So he's smart enough as anyone to say things about Christianity. And that's the simple fact of the matter. Now, he's got these works like Mere Christianity and The Problem of Pain, which were talks, radio talks, which he'd give about Christianity. But we're not really going to get into that. That's not really what we're talking about here. Here, we're just talking about Narnia as if it's like, it's just the books. And I've just picked it up and said, okay, well, now what do I get out of these books? How do I use the cultural references that I've got and the personal experiences that I've got to form an impression 
from these words, right? So it's very much personally centered. It's very much subjectively centered, what we're talking about here. Now, to say a bit about some of the paradigms we'll get into, well, first and foremost, we're going to talk about meditation. And we're going to talk about these perspectives and these dynamics of other worlds through the lens of meditation, through the lens of mystics, through the lens of the practices of spiritual awakening. And that's something that C.S. Lewis never did. He didn't meditate. It's not something that he understood. So it's not baked into his stories explicitly. But because he's got these fundamental principles in his narratives that are from the human story, they still tie in with spiritual practices. They still tie in with spiritual traditions, spiritual processes, spiritual paradigms. So that's one thing. And then we are also going to look at the social sphere. So we're going to look at social psychology and what it means to actually interact with different people in different worlds, in different ways, and what it means to actually get along or not get along and have the drama of heroes and villains and tensions and trying to get your way and not getting your way and these sorts of things. So social interactions will be another paradigm or another lens that we look through throughout this series. Now, another big theme will be the sense of magic, a sense of awe. Now, I can ask you, do you believe in magic? Is magic real to you? And actually, this idea of an other world manifests itself in magic. When you see something magical, you've seen something from another world. And of course, magic is a deep part of the entire Chronicles of Narnia. It's a fantasy series. It's a fantasy chronicles. So magic and how it works and how it manifests itself and what it reveals to us is fundamental to finding other worlds. And this, you know, C.S. Lewis, well, he was quite aware of this. I mean, his idea of writing fiction was to put the magic back into our world. And, of course, he is also hip to Carl Jung and archetypes and these sorts of figures. And, of course, we get into those, which is fascinating because, you know, we've got all the animals, right? So who's the king of Narnia? Well, it's the lion, king of the jungle, right? And so we can look at things from a Jungian perspective and an archetypal kind of perspective, like what are the characteristics of the lion? What are the characteristics of the king? And this will do, well, a bit of that and just however it naturally comes up throughout the series. So... That's yet another paradigm that we'll be looking through. And there will be more. There will be more sort of lenses and things that we pick up. I don't know if we'll do too much drugs. 
I mean, really all I've needed to say about drugs I've already said just a few moments ago. But who knows what will come up? Who knows what we'll find? And if there's a reference that seems to fit, then we'll use it, right? So it's like we've picked up this book and we've got our current perspective, our current understanding, and then we're trying to work that in. So how do we enfold this narrative into what we already know? And we're using everything that we can to do that, right? We're trying to see, well, how do we make that coherent? How do we make that understandable? How do we make it clear? And how do we really get the, get the point of it? And it's not right to say that if you read a book and you have a certain interpretation, well, is it the right interpretation or not? In this perspective, in this approach that we're taking here, we're actually saying, well, whatever you get out of it is the right interpretation. And that's actually an advantage because you will hear things in this commentary that you won't hear anywhere else. This is a completely unique interpretation, a completely personal interpretation, discussion of the Narnia Chronicles. So don't expect any academic sort of references or really polished cross-cultural references. We're actually just going to be a, a bit more a bit more rough with it and a bit more also I mean the other thing is this of this is well what's the practical implication what does it mean that I have to do because of the realizations and that's a big question and that's an important question and if you're just doing academic analysis and you're just doing cross-cultural references or cross-literary references and comparisons, then it's easy to miss that. It's easy to not ask yourself that. And that's a big mistake, I think, because then you end up with sort of circles in the mind and you get a lot of elaborate stories a lot of beautiful stories and a seemingly colorful perspective but you miss the point you miss the okay how does it how does it actually change my life and i can answer that right now for you i can answer that fundamentally and the answer is well how so so the question is how does the story change my world and in this series, and for this thesis, the answer to that is, well, it means you need to find other worlds. It means you need to find the other world. And you can notice now, as I am, that, well, here's a sort of religious undertone coming through already right? Because what does religion say? At least the Abrahamic religions, they say you've got to find God. You've got to make your way to heaven. You've got to be at peace 
in order to find the other world, to get into the other world. And that's something that, well, this religious sort of Christian Abrahamic religion example is only one example. There's a deeper point, which is that you have to find another world. You have to find the other worlds. Okay, so now a little bit about format. We talk our way through and we'll go we'll go in order. So understand that the order that Lewis wrote them in and released them in was di- is different to the order of the narrative and also the order of the popularity of these books is also different. So those two points aside, we're just going to go in order. So first up is The Magician's Nephew. Then is The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is probably the most famous. In fact, it must be the most famous. Edmund, Lucy, Peter and Susan find themselves in a new home. And while playing hide-and-seek, they stumble upon this wardrobe, which takes them to Narnia. And then there is the horse and his boy. And after that, we have Prince Caspian. And then there is the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. There is the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And, well, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly... They actually find this themselves on the voyage of the Dawn Treader by looking at a painting. So that's one of the interesting things that we'll get into. We will talk about art. We will talk about connection to culture and different cultures in many different ways. But the looking at of the looking of the looking at paintings is a way of encountering another world. And then, of course, they're on this ship, right? It's like a pirate ship. Totally different to all the others. And then there is the silver chair. And then last of all is the last battle. Now, I read these as a kid, or at least I think I had my dad read them to me as a kid. And I haven't read them since, really. And I think I've seen... Maybe some of the movies. I don't know if they even have movies for all of them. But I didn't like the movies, to be frank, to be honest. Especially the modern ones. I think the modern ones, they have just too much emphasis on the battle scenes. And visual effects. And it really detracts from the narrative in so many ways. But maybe that's just me, and we'll leave the movies out of it. I mean, the movies don't do much. They don't reveal much at all. So we're just sticking with the stories. And I think I think that's probably about it by way of introduction. I mean, Narnia is another world and that world exists and there are many ways for us to encounter that world and when we do 
Well, there are all sorts of dramas. There are dramas in our relationships. There are dramas in our needs. There are dramas in our mind, in our feelings. And then when we come back, well, the whole world has shifted again. Our whole sense of reality has shifted again. So that is our general thesis for this series. And we will have more examples of other worlds coming up. I'll be tying these in with other things that I think about as we go along, as they're necessary. And as always, it's in a it's in a linear fashion because that's just <laughs> it's just got to be linear because that's how this platform is this this way of disseminating information is so i'll also mention that if you're a regular listener of the andrew lake podcast please share your favorite episode as this will help me find my audience i really don't want to have to resort to too much dirty marketing to get the podcast up and running but who knows what the future will hold it will really help me to get some traction if you could share it with someone so i appreciate that and i'll also mention that i've been working on a meditation course so it's not out yet but sometime in the near future and maybe by the time you've heard you're hearing this it will be out but I am creating a meditation course of guided meditations. So that will be where you can actually take the next step beyond the stories, the next step beyond the theories, beyond the concepts, beyond the ideas and the philosophies, and actually do something that's real practical and get into the real experience of what it all means, what it's all about. So that course will be guided meditations you just sit down you listen to it you follow the instructions and i'm really excited about when that can come out and i'll be talking about that a lot more in the future so this is finding other worlds a commentary on narnia by c.s lewis up next well up next we'll have the next episode so thanks very much for listening, and that's all I have to say for now.